All right, guys, welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats podcast. I'm Matt, and as always, I'm joined by Mufasa, the insider McCarron. Uh, pretty big episode today as we're going to be talking about the Celtics Game 7 win over the Raptors. We haven't talked quite some time, kind of some old news, but uh, we're going to be giving some takes on that. Uh, their matchup against the Heat now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, a lot of football, obviously, to be talked about as well. So uh, we're going to have our hands full in this episode, but um, we'll start off with the Celtics. Uh, obviously a big, big, big win against the Raptors in Game 7 of the semis. Um, the Stars did show up for the Celtics. Tatum, Brown uh, was a high-effort player. Uh, Kemba Walker had some clutch shots. And just an overall good Celtics performance coming off a series where um, – they had a couple more wins in their pocket that just kind of didn't go their way. Uh, talking about the the buzzer beater, uh, the double overtime game that should, probably should have been Celtics win off the Kemba Kemba Walker drive that wasn't a uh, foul, but they uh, do get it done longer than we had hoped. But um, nevertheless, they won. So I mean, there's really not much to complain about anymore. Uh, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, no, uh, as we saw in our first attempt of uh, recording, uh, it's just game seven. <laughs> the The Stars had to show up, and the Stars did show up. The Arguably probably the Celtics' big three, if you were to call it that, as the NBA, everything goes in threes. Uh, our big three outplayed their big three as uh, the South, as Tatum's Walker and Brown combined for 60-something with the – Raptors main three of Siakam, Lowry, and Van Fleet only combining for uh, 49. So really it's just an all-around performance, though, as I thought guys throughout this entire series that helped propel this Boston team were guys like Marcus Smart and Daniel Theis, as they both played huge, not only in Game uh, 7, but throughout the entire series. Uh, game 6, the double overtime game, uh, I thought Tice was one of the most important players on the floor for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, those are the guys that you need to step up if you want to win. I'm obviously saying, you know, you need the Stars to show up. And if the Stars show up and do their thing, that's great. You're probably going to end up winning a game. But if you really want to make sure you win these games, it's going to take more than just the Stars. And we saw that with LeBron's whole early part of his career. You know, you need these role-playing guys to step up and i mean it's funny to call a all defensive first team guy like marcus smart a role player but it really is the truth and marcus smart played phenomenal this entire series he i took him uh him with the points over uh 12 and a half points in game seven thank you very much that was easy money but smart like just played phenomenal both ends of the floor he had probably the biggest play of the series with the block and like you're saying, the series, they went back and forth. Um, it probably shouldn't have went to seven as Kemba Walker was fouled at the end of regulation as uh, the ref, the NBA last two-minute committee or whatever it is, came out and said that that was, in fact, a foul. So that just kind of hurt, and especially hurt for uh, how the uh, – <clears throat> they call they don't call that one, but they call uh, – Giannis in the first first round against uh or no last round against Miami for like just tapping Jimmy Butler at the end of the game so you know it's just I think that's just a prime example of the league wanting 
this series to go to seven and them saying like, hey, call it call it a little bit the Raptors way. Don't make it all too obvious. But they did in the Celtics lost game six. But Celtics got the last laugh winning the series. And, you know, I think it's official that just the Celtics are the are, in fact, the balls. Um, <laughs> they are nasty. Uh, the guy. I want to find that guy in real life, but the guy, the Celtics are the balls guy is obviously the face of my Twitter and has, been that, has been that for a year. Yeah. He's literally, I think he might be my dad, but um, <laughs> just really an all around great guy. Uh, he said it way back. This was probably in the eighties. Uh, just, he just said, who's going to win. That's yeah, the Celtics. Cause there's no other reason why. And that prime example right there was, Last Friday night, Celtics got it done because they are, in fact, the Bulls. I mean, I wanted to hit on Marcus Smart. I need to give that guy some props. Uh, he was like the un- unsung hero of this of this whole series. I mean, Tatum was obviously um, the star here. But, I mean, it seemed like as though every single game down the stretch, Marcus Smart just got better as the game went on. And, I mean, not even, like, in the scoring column. I mean, just, like... He, his, this guy, he could be a quarterback, I swear, dude. Like, he, all his, like, passes and his lobs, dude, they're always perfect. They're always perfect. And I just think that, like, he deserves so much more credit than what he gets. Um, no, I, com- I completely agree. He, he was a guy out of college when, I, when they drafted him, like, I hated it. And, like, now I see him on the Celtics and like, what would they be without Marcus Smart? I mean, he's literally like their captain and he, like, I don't know. He just does every like little effort play you need. Like, I don't know. I just think that so many things he does just goes unnoticed. It's crazy. No. And as, as this league gets moves to more and more skills players as every league in the whole, uh, Every league, really, every major sports move into more of these skill guys. We see it with uh, Lamar and Mahomes are now, like, the face of the NFL. And these, like, NHL guys like McDavid, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, these just unbelievably talented guys. And in the NBA, currently, we see freaks of nature like Giannis, Steph, LeBron. Like, these are all skill position guys. And obviously, Giannis and LeBron take it to the body. But you need guys... The way I see it, Marcus Smart is basically the offensive line of the Celtics team where, you know, he doesn't always do the stuff that gets recognized, but, like, this Celtics team wouldn't be where they're at right now without Marcus Smart. Marcus Mm -hmm. Smart is so important. He's uh, basically just that glue guy that every team needs, just a real old-school style of basketball that I personally love, and I love Marcus Smart more than anything on this Earth, he's probably my second favorite Celtic behind Jalen Brown right now because I just love Jalen Brown. <laughs> but I mean, like you're you're the what are you the president of the Jalen Brown fan club? Um, no, I'm the uh, I'm currently the head of his uh, campaign team. I'm starting to get uh, Jalen Brown uh, for president. Uh, he can run for president in uh, twelve years. Uh, it's a presidential election year, so. Uh, you know, Jalen Brown. Good to start early. Yeah, Jalen Brown, twenty thirty two, uh, I think would be the election year that it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he's twenty three now. So twelve years, he'll be eligible, or he's twenty two now, turning twenty three. So hopefully, he can. You know, I'm I'm at the fan club, but mainly I'm I'm 
bootstrapping it for him. I'm on the street trying to get him votes when when twenty thirty two run rolls around. <laughs> I think I think I'm just gonna have to run against you. Um, I think me and Marcus Smart are starting something up because I mean that guy is like the hero we all need. He is the president we all need. Oh yeah, no, yeah. They're both they're both born leaders. Uh, I would trust either one of them as the leader of the free world, and you know that's just what I hope it comes to. Is I I want to live to see the day where a Boston Celtic is in the White House. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to live to see the first woman president, or people before are like, oh, I'd love to see the first black president. Like, no, nah, I I want to see a Celtic. <laughs> uh so with their their next matchup against the heat um this is a pretty pretty much a toss-up here uh, a lot of people a lot of the experts on espn like giving their predictions it was pretty uh neck and neck i'm pretty sure there was like ten, 11 votes for uh the heat 10 votes for the celtics something like that so i mean these are two pretty even teams going at each other i mean um i'd like to think that the the heat are kind of similar to the Raptors just because in terms of their depth I mean they have a wicked good bench um, but I do think they're a little bit more differently structured than the Raptors because um, they shoot a killer three ball uh, they have a couple lights out shooters who get consistent minutes like you, we talked about earlier uh, Tyler Hero and the other kid um, Robinson oh yeah Robinson's nasty yeah He's a lights out three point shooter. Um, Bam Adebayo, obviously, having he had the year of his life um, this regular season. He was an all star. Um, Jay Crowder's playing great. I mean, there's just so many guys in this team that can show up on any given night. Kelly Olynyk. I mean, there's so many solid pieces to go around Jimmy Butler, who is a legit star. I mean, you face the Raptors team where their legit star and Pascal Siakam really didn't show up. That's not happening in this series. Jimmy Butler is a legit star. You know what's coming at you when you face Jimmy Butler. This guy's a dog, like you said. Um, one of the few dog stars left in this league, I'd like to think. True gritty um, guy that comes in night in, night out, and earns all of his points. You'll see it. Uh, he's a facilitator as well. I mean, he just does, does a little bit of everything. I think he's eased into his, his role with the Heat like perfectly. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a tough series. I mean, if they, if they want to go to the finals, I mean, this is just going to be, you're going to need consistent, consistent, good play from, from the guys that you need to show up every single night. I don't think you can afford Kemba Walker not showing up because I do think the heat will make you pay. I mean, they just beat the best team in the NBA. Uh, they just waxed the, the best team in the NBA five games. So you're going to need a very good performance night in and night out from your big your big guys in Tatum, Brown, uh, Kemba. And, I mean, if you get Hayward back, that's a bonus. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, is it? I mean, I know he was getting up shots, but is it, like, confirmed he should be back if they go deeper on the series? So, I've been reading about – trying to read up on it, and it just seems it's a little still up in the air right now with mm -hmm. if he will come back and if he does come back and gets the all clear like if he will go in for games uh if i were to guess where the timeline is at i would say 
he would return. He, I think he'd be eligible for a return anything after game four. Whether or not we go with him then, it's a different story. But I think he'll be good yeah. to go by game four. So, I mean, that's that's what they said when it first came to the – when his injury first happened. They said the Celtics – he will be back for the postseason if the Celtics go to the conference final. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. If he comes back, he's going to be on a minutes restriction. So, I mean – when they're in the finals, you'd hope that he's back to his like full uh, capacity, like full minutes. But even Maybe. even even if we can get Gordon Hayward like fifteen a night, like that's still a positive. Like that's a huge bench piece right there oh, for yeah. the Celtics. Now, if he goes out there and he's playing like garbage, like yeah, just yank him out, reevaluate him because. I think we all know how good this guy can be when healthy. And I was talking, I was having an argument with someone the other night about Gordon Hayward and they're like, Oh, waste of a signing. I'm like, I don't think he's a waste of a signing. We can't predict guys legs snapping in half and him not being able to play for two years. Then he does bad the next year. Yeah. Because he had to, get a whole new leg and rehab and come back. You had to relearn how to jump, land, shoot, do redo everything. So that's why I'm like, I think people need to cut him a little slack. Obviously the contract doesn't look good because of his like, but he, he's not like, it's not like he's playing bad when he's healthy. He is contributing to the Celtics. He has a couple 30 point games in his career with us, which is really all you can ask for from a guy that, Again, had to get a brand new leg the first five minutes into his Celtics career. So, if he can come back and give us fifteen a game, then that's a huge plus for the Celtics. And I think that's the bare minimum he can do for us. If he can slide in and maybe do like twenty to twenty-five a game, especially give Brown and JT a little rest at the small forward spot, that'd be unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just more so unlucky than it is. A waste. I mean, obviously, like you said it perfectly. I mean, you just can't bank on a guy making that or having that type of injury, especially in this first game. I mean, you can't even make that stuff up. I mean, I've never knocked Hayward, but I, I do think like if there if there is a deal on the horizon, like in the coming off season, where like you can get him off the books, maybe even for like another bad contract. Like I definitely would, considering like. We, we, I think we do need like a legit four. I like Tatum in like the small forward role. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to talk about offseason stuff, but like there are people who do think Hayward, it goes both ways with Hayward and like the fans here. But I mean, for right now, like you said, if he comes in and he's just a spot up shooter, considering he's on a bad ankle, I'm perfect with that because he still can shoot the ball. He's still a good shooter no matter what. Um, what his ankles are and stuff like that. But I do think you need him, especially especially in the finals. I mean, I think you might be able to get away with it this series, considering you beat a very good Raptors team. You might be able to get away with it, not having him in your, in your rotation against the Heat. But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, this is going to be a, a heck of a series. This is going to be a hell of a series. You got your uh, prediction? I think the Celtics are going to win in seven again. I am going to go Celtics in six. Really? I, I think we're going to. I think we're going to learn from our mistakes of the last series, and I think we're going to go up three two. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to start out two two. 
let me just put that first. I think we're going to win game five. I think we're going to learn from our mistakes the last series. Basically, is you can't leave a close game up to the refs. And I think the Celtics are going to close it out and advance to the finals in six games. Against who? Oh, it's tough right now considering the Clippers and Nuggets are randomly having a dog fight right now. But if I were to guess, I would be going to say I think whoever wins the Clippers Denver series is going to go to the really finals. yeah wow. I ain't going the Lakers are sitting sitting for too long uh they just had a cakewalk of a series uh I don't care what anyone says that if anyone genuinely thought that that Rockets team was a threat to go all the way and knock off any of the top three teams that are still currently uh playing right now then like uh, on the Western Conference with the Lakers, Clippers, and the Nuggets. I mean, that's just false. The, we knew from the beginning the small ball shit wasn't going to work come playoff time. I said to everyone when like they're like, oh, the Rockets are going on a bit of a run. Small ball seems to be working. I'm like, yeah, it can work on a night-in, night-out basis. But when you have to play the same team, yeah. you got to win four before they do. I don't think it's going to work, especially when – Night in, night out, that every game they had to play the Lakers, and it did not work out for them. You know, I just, I think the Rockets are frauds, basically, <laughs> is the oh, sum yeah. of it. But I think these two teams right now, the Clippers and the Nuggets, are really just the winner of them, I think, is just going to be coming in too hot for the Lakers to, to handle. But then again, I could be wrong. I mean, you know, you you don't make money betting against LeBron James, so. Yeah, I'm going to go against you here. I'm going to say the Lakers are going to be in the finals. Um, I've been saying it all along, even, like, before the the playoffs started. I mean, it's just something about it. I think LeBron back in the playoffs. Over vengeance. Yeah, they might not be as deep as the Clippers or Nuggets, but, I mean, like you just said, you just said it. I mean, it's LeBron James. Time and time again, uh, he just overpowers and wills his way to the finals and and beyond at points. I mean, yeah, his finals record ain't too great, but there's a reason why he's always in it. So <laughs> Now, hey, I got a big question. At what point does Giannis start getting shit for not getting it done in the playoffs? <sighs> I mean, there's really no excuse to lose to the, the Heat, but um, – I do think that team is lacking a true number two to go along with him. Chris Middleton is very good. Um, I just said it. I don't want to take heat from you here. There's no excuse for them to lose that series. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I do think they need another guy for Giannis. Um, I have a prediction, though, with that. This offseason, I think that there was a report, I think, that came out today that the Bucks are going to try and get Giannis some help. And I don't think that the Chris Paul thing, them, them trading for Chris Paul, Chris Paul is a hell of a player, but like, if they trade for him, of all people, I think that is just driving Giannis up the door even more, just considering Chris Paul's age. I mean, the guy's like 35 years old. And you're not really accomplishing much. What are you getting? Like two or three more good years of Chris Paul to go along with Giannis in his prime. 
So my prediction is that Giannis is going to see what's on the table and basically just like not like it. I don't think he'll request a trade, but I think that the Bucks are going to see that this guy's out the door next year and they're going to start fielding offers on him. And then the Clippers are going to come in and trade Jeez. Paul George and a boatload of first round picks, all the the first round picks that they get back after Russell Westbrook's huge ass trade, whenever those first rounders are 20, 30 plus, I think that's going to happen. And think about it. That's a good, that is a good gamble that the Bucks are taking. They're getting back a pretty good player in Paul George. He's still like a borderline star. And they're getting first-round picks so far down the road that, like, who knows what the Clippers will be at that point. It's like kind of like a Nets thing. Like, the Celtics started getting picks so far and beyond when the Nets weren't good anymore. And it led us to our whole entire core that we have today. So that's my prediction on that. Well, my whole thing with the Giannis offseason, the rumors, is he staying or is he going? Which I think they're very, they're very fair rumors because, I mean, if you're him, you did everything you possibly could these last several seasons, and they essentially resulted in uh, Eastern Conference final loss and an Eastern Conference semifinal loss. Where, I mean, they granted they this season I'm not going to really give them the stigma, but at the same time you should have it put on them as we see other stars are excelling even though with the weird format you see the Lakers and LeBron are having no issue Kawhi obviously having no issue and those are really the only guys he's compared to but Mm -hmm. and they're genuinely having no problem right now with the playoffs and they're winning in a harder conference so I think the the Bucks have really they have two things to do here one I think they cannot resign him this offseason because I know he is eligible for the Supermax, mm-hmm. uh, which will make him, I think it'll be five years, 250 plus, uh, which is a, it's a ridiculous amount of money. It's an absurd amount of money. But if I were them, I would look at finding some trade pieces or picking up some people in this offseason as I'm looking at the free agent list. It's not all that juicy of, Guys that are going to be guaranteed free agents. Uh, Brandon Ingram's restricted. Uh, Anthony Davis has a player option, which he's going to pick up. DeRozan has a player option. Van Fleet is unrestricted. Montrez Harold's unrestricted. Gordon Hayward has a player option. And really, that's where and uh, Andre Drummond has a player option. So right there, that's where that free agent class stands up. And if I were... The Raptors, I would be looking for some trade pieces to try to add in more people this next season to try to get Giannis to stay in a home, uh, in a friendly deal next offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think if they trade certain guys, trying to think up a trade in my head right now, but if they trade guys like Middleton and Bledsoe picks and try to go after, like, I'm trying to think of a team that might be selling, but. I mean, maybe Damian Lillard's tired of Portland. Maybe he's sick and tired of losing there. Mm-hmm. And they just go all in to try to get the the two stars that every team seems to be after right now. And I think that could work. Try to go there. I'm 
really struggling finding any star that might yeah. be frustrated at where they're currently at. But I mean, I'm surprised that he's still putting up with it because Damian Lillard is like a once in a generation player and he's only been to the Western conference finals once. Mm-hmm. And it's just really sad that it, it might be his career wasted away in Portland where if they do this trade, both sides would be kind of happy as Portland would still be good if they took on Middleton and Bledsoe. And then the Bucks can build around two once-in-a-generation players. But that's just me spitballing off the top of my head right there. Yeah, I think that if they want a chance at having Giannis back, they need a star league game. Like someone of that stature, like that free agent list that you just said, I don't think there's anyone in there that's like worth the Bucks like shedding money off their bench or whatever to go get like a like debatable star like i most of those guys aren't even stars but anyways enough basketball week one of the nfl started cam newton made his nfl or his patriots debut yesterday against the miami dolphins and he was efficient as hell he i mean there was i definitely didn't expect the the amount of running that he can't or that happened with him yesterday but 15 attempts, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he pretty much, or he more than doubled the uh, next guy on the Patriots list, Sony Michelle at 37. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy how much they were using him in the run game with all the, the QB powers and the options and the, even the RPOs. I mean, this was just a totally different Patriots offense than what we had last year with Tom Brady, something that I did not expect. I knew they would... Obviously, bring in some new plays for Cam, but like to totally shift the offense. I mean, that was a big surprise to me. Um, yeah, no, uh, it was wildly shocking. Not shocking. I mean, we all knew. First off, before I say anything, Cam Newton's back. Cam Newton looked phenomenal yesterday. Uh, I kept saying to everyone I was watching it with, uh, "We're watching a guy that's playing on the veteran minimum right now." on our team. Mm-hmm. It was a sir, he just was a he just was producing like you read about and literally every time he did a run play, like we were running read options with him and Stoney. We did a run option with him and Burkhead. Uh he pitched the ball out to I think White one time. Like every time he he did something with the ball. I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen a Patriots quarterback do that. That's the first time I've ever seen a Patriots quarterback do that. Like it's it was absurd, and like he is just so entertaining to watch, and I'm very excited for this season with Cam Newton. And his throwing wasn't perfect yesterday, I wouldn't say, but I thought it was extremely, you know, good. At like he was very competent with throwing. He threw for seventy eight or seventy nine percent, excuse me, and you know he was just hitting guys in the chest, and you know he's off on a couple. But I mean, as the season progresses and he feels more comfortable with this system. That's where the crisper throws, I think, are going to come in, and he's going to be a real problem for some defenses for us. I think the biggest thing with the whole new offense is with all these RPOs, it takes so much pressure off these receivers. I mean, we all knew that this receiving core that we have wasn't all that great. Um, All these receivers kind of struggle with separation, Julian Edelman was pretty much being doubled all of last year, which, I mean, he still had such a great year, but in those big games, those key games down the stretch, 
teams are just taking him away, and it really left, I mean, a banged-up Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu. I mean, there really wasn't much. But with this the RPO thing, it just takes the linebackers. It takes everyone, all the defensive and linebackers' eyes off receivers. I mean, the fake handoffs and stuff, like, you just don't know, especially with Cam's ability to run. Uh, defenses are going to be confused. They're not going to know what's coming at them. I mean, last year it was pretty simplified offense with Tom Brady. I mean, with the with a not-so-great receiving core, it was either pass or it was run. And now you mix it up, you have so much more in your bag, and I think that's huge. I think that's what you saw yesterday. I mean, that's why he was so efficient. Do I think that – am I all, like, geeked up about it? No. I mean, this is a – this is a – one of our easiest games on the schedule. Next week, we're facing the Seahawks in prime time in Seattle. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot tougher. I mean, we'll have to see about that. I do think Cam's going to have to throw a little bit more. Uh, I think the Seahawks uh, front seven on defense, a lot better. I mean, their secondary is great as well. Jamal Adams back there, I mean, that's kind of scary, but I mean, even with that, you're going to have to throw more, I think. You're going to be in pressured, high-pressured situations. So, I mean, I am very excited with Cam. I am very, very impressed with how efficient he was. But uh, I think you're going to need more out of your offense. No, and I, I agree. And I thought, no offense to the Miami Dolphins, but I thought we used this game sort of as a preseason game. Yes. Um, Yes, exactly. I, I think we were working out some plays, seeing how stuff works, seeing how our running backs can work with the read option. Next week's when the season starts. I think we all went into this season. I think we, me and you both agreed. Miami's the win. Uh, as the preseason got canceled, I think we we're all thinking, okay, we have to use this game as a tune-up game, which I think we did just that. Obviously, 21 to 11 you know, it's not the result that we usually get against Miami. We usually win 50 to six, but I thought it was a great game to just get the offense working together, seeing how they look. And I thought it was a good game for the defense as well, as uh, I thought it really allowed for us to figure out what we're going to do without Hightower in there, which I thought was really huge. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see how it comes against, you know, this is, the Seahawks are probably going to be one of the hardest games on our schedule. I think we both think that they're the third hardest opponent we have uh, behind, mm -hmm. obviously, Kansas City and Baltimore. But I think we, I think again, I think we both agree. I think once we get to the bye in week six, we'll have a better understanding of how our offense and how everything's going to look going forward. And I think that'll be huge. And I, I predict that we'll get to the bye at three and two, which I think we, you both, you also had us getting to the buy at three and two. Yeah. I'll take that any day of the week, three and two. Um, you talked about Hightower and the defense. Um, one thing I picked up on the game yesterday on defense is the amount of DBs on the field at once. I mean, this is, this team is their strength on defense clearly comes on their defensive backs in the, I mean, you look at it, there are like eight or nine guys who can start on any given team. I mean, you go down the list, you have Gilmore, Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, the McCordy brothers, uh, Kyle Duggar, who's been great. 
um, in camp. He had a very good game yesterday. Wasn't on the field much, but when he was, he made an impact. Uh, Adrian Phillips, uh, free agent pickup they had from the Chargers, veteran guy, veteran safety. He was in almost like a sub linebacker role. He was like a safety, but in the box, and he had a pick. Um, Terrence Brooks, another guy that started yesterday. I mean, there's just so many DBs that can play here. And, like, yeah, you can only have so many on the field, but, like, with our with our weakness at linebacker, they were just rolling out all these guys. I mean, they had J.C. Jackson at safety. They had Jason McCordy at safety. Uh, they were just mixing it up so much, and I think that was a, a reason why that Fitzpatrick threw as many interceptions as he did. Um, he was confused. I mean, this – Pat's defense was just so rotational, so, like, I don't even know. I mean, it was weird to see. I mean, with Hightower out there, they completely changed up how they played D. Yeah, no, it was – I think we definitely had to change it up as we basically, with Hightower gone and, you know, no no ill will to any of the players that decided to opt out. But uh, we lose our – essentially our defensive coordinator – um, he was the mic caller. He is the guy with the headset and his helmet, uh, in our defense, which is a huge, uh, loss. But I think with the way that we have the front four set up as we slide, uh, Winovich down in there, and then we just have this confusing cluster of just defensive backs that, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell what packages, like I couldn't even tell what was going on there. I don't understand. Obviously NFL quarterbacks are smarter than me, but. I mean, I can see why Fitzpatrick did so bad. Like, mm-hmm. it, he just was confused out there. We'd slide guys back, move them up. It it was a confusing secondary that I think we're going to see as the season goes on, and we have to play in that type of style of offense that there's not going to be many teams, I think, that can score a ton of points against us, obviously, Chiefs are the Chiefs, the Ravens are the Ravens. No, no one expect we don't expect to beat them. Uh, but I very much so think that we can beat the other uh, conference rivals, or not rivals, but conference opponents that might challenge us ordinarily if our defense was average, like the Bills, Texans, Titans. Like we, I think with this type of defense, we can go up against any of them and really confuse quarterbacks into making key mistakes during the game. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, but Saquon Barkley's very good at football. I'm sorry. Uh, you just do something? Yeah, I, dude. <laughs> they He's on my fantasy team, real quick. Real quick. He's on my fantasy team, and I'm not kidding you. Every single run that he's had so far, he has been dropped, like just mauled before the line of scrimmage, and he just went out on a screen and hurdled Minka Fitzpatrick, so that's kind of sick. But with the Patriots... The season definitely starts next week. You said it. I mean, what better way to go to go from playing Ryan Fitzpatrick to go to playing Russell Wilson, um, who had a day, a day against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards, and all three of his receivers had 100 yards, and Russell Wilson somehow played better than him. I mean, if you did you see his stat line? I, I did not know. Dude, he was like 35 of 38. And like one of them was like a DK Metcalf, like touchdown drop, I'm pretty sure, like right in his hands. But 
I mean, you're going from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Russell Wilson. Um, so I'm I'm so I'm so excited. I really want to see where we stack up. I mean, I know I think like if if things go can go our way, I think we are a completely competitive team. I think we can take on anyone. Talent isn't there, but I mean, you can clearly see what their game plan is. Their game plan is to simply hold the ball, um, kill, win the time of possession battle every game, win the turnover battle every game. And just hope to out-coach teams because that's what the strength on this team is. Um, they're secondary and they're coaches. So, I mean, it's very apparent what they're trying to do here. So, I mean, I, no, I do think that's enough to beat the Seahawks. I do. No, and I think I would not be surprised if we can squeak one out, especially early, uh, especially early from one of these teams. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we can squeak one out against the Ravens if – I mean, talk about who we lost. Like, Collins, Van Noy, Hightower's out, Chung's out. Brady left. Gronk did Gronk things. Like, everyone's the whole talk this offseason was, like, God, the Patriots, they're vulnerable now. They're vulnerable now. Like, the dynasty could be over now. Uh, we still have the greatest coach in NFL history, probably the greatest coach in the history of organized sports. Yep. Bill Belichick will always find a way to keep his teams in games. He went to the playoffs with the Cleveland Browns before he was the Pats head coach. That's impossible. People are still trying to figure out how to get the Browns to the playoffs. And that was in 1996. We were negative three years. I was negative three. You were negative two, negative four. (laughs) So people are still trying to emulate this formula that he just keeps changing the game. Like every time we see like, Ah, uh, these guys come in, change the game. Like Patrick Mahomes is the new model of quarterback. It's a hundred percent. So is Lamar Jackson. We're gonna see more and more guys like them. Coaches are still trying to figure out how to get to the level of Bill Belichick, and it just hasn't been done. And Belichick's just gonna keep this thing rolling. No Bill Belichick team is ever gonna go below five hundred. I guarantee that. No Patriots-led Bill Belichick team will go below five hundred. And I think the Pats are still going to cruise. And say what you will about this Miami game. Look at the stats. You could be like, God, oh, the stats. You know, Cam really didn't do that good. You know, two rushing, not even 200 throwing, not 100 on the ground. You know, defense, uh, Gilmore got a couple pass interferences. Like, you could look at that at the stat sheet and think, man, the Patriots are vulnerable right now. But if you actually watch the game and watch how the Patriots played, and first off, Miami's lucky that it was close because of the Nikhil Harry touchback. Mm. And I just think we're going to keep doing this week in and week out. And I said it, I think, on the like two or three podcasts ago when we were reviewing the Patriots season as it was coming up. I was like, listen, this is a new style of Patriots. We are not going to be as fun to watch as before if you're not a huge uh, football fan. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be running. It's going to be defense winning us games. And it's not going to be, up. Oh, here's the deep ball from Cam like it was for Brady. Like Brady would when – you, when you're a Pats fan watching Brady, you see Brady step up in the pocket and release one. You're almost certain that it was going to be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Now I saw Cam do that three times the other day, and they went 10 yards down the field. So it's going to be that. It's going to be nice, easy, simplified offense, make it easy for Cam, let him do his athletic – God-given athletic, once-in-a-generation talent. Let him do what he wants to do. Make it not hard on him. 
defense is going to win us games. And I really think this Patriot team, I genuinely think, and this is saying a lot after week one, I think we're right now probably the third best team in the AFC. Uh, I was thinking they were right around there to start um, before the season even started. But I really think we're the third best team in the NFC. And if we get a right draw come playoff time, I think, you know, we could make some noise and maybe upset one of the two the two titans in the AFC. Oh, yeah. You said it. You said it before. I mean, Bill Belichick is always going to keep his teams in games. That's all you can ask for with, with this team. It's just going to be the matter of can they deliver down the stretch in those in those uh, moments because – I mean, the schedule obviously isn't doing us any favors this year. We play, I'm pretty sure we have one of the top or the hardest ranked schedules in the league this year, if not the hardest. So, I mean, we'll see with that. And to go into our boy, Tom Brady. Yeah. Next off, um, Tommy played a big one yesterday against his now divisional rival, New Orleans Saints. Um, and... Nothing really went right for the Bucks, and I'm not like it's not one of those things where I'm like all geeked up because Tom Brady lost and we won. I mean, we play the Dolphins and they play the Saints, so I mean, <laughs> any real any real football fan can kind of see that like you can't really like make that comparison. I mean, the Bucks yeah. might have just played their hardest game of the schedule, and we just might have played our easiest game of the schedule. It's comparing finding a piece of gold to finding a piece of shit is basically yeah. what you're comparing these two Exactly, to. exactly. Um, Brady, uh, to open up the game, beautiful drive. Beautiful drive. He came out, and I was like, fuck, dude. That, fuck. That drive, I thought, I was like watching. I was like, shit, they're, they're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. like, was like, yeah. He was like, no, one's gonna, no one stands a chance against these guys. And then the spike... On his sneak, I mean, that just made me feel like a pile of dog shit. Um, but after that, it was really nothing. It was all battling uphill for the Bucks. Um, Gronk, really non-factor. Two catches for, I believe, like 13 yards. Mike Evans had one garbage time, two-yard touchdown. That was his only catch of the day. Chris Godwin had a few here and there. Not, I think he had like five, maybe. Really not Chris Godwin-like compared to what he was last year with Jameis Winston. Um, Scotty Miller was their guy yesterday. and that Does that surprise you at all, the small white receiver? No, not at all. It's the, <laughs> it's the classic Brady guy. Exactly. Uh, the running game was really not there. Um, and it was a weird one for the Saints, too, because Michael Thomas really didn't do much. Drew Brees really didn't have that great of a game. Um Drew Brees had one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my entire life. He was like when? throwing one like I think it was like a guy on the side on the sideline about seven yards downfield. It looked like it was supposed to be just like a little dump off to him. So the guy facing Brees, Brees turns, throws to him, and probably threw it ten yards over his head. <laughs> I was I was laughing comically. I was like, I can't believe Drew Brees just actually made that that throw. I was like, that was atrocious. Yeah, I mean they they were pretty um pretty much relied on Kamara their run game. Um, a lot of dink and dunks too. To stud. Yeah, he had a very good game. Almost three touchdowns at the end. Didn't count. I mean, how about that? How about the Saints running up the score? It does send us send a message. They they want this to be a rivalry because 
I mean, if I were them, why why wouldn't you want it to be a rivalry? A lot of people are picking. I mean, not a lot of people, but there are some people that are like, okay, yeah, it's the Bucks. Bucks are the best team in the NFC South. And if I'm the Saints, that's pissing me the hell off because they're arguably they arguably should have a Super Bowl over these last three seasons. They've just gotten screwed every single year, year in and year out. And I feel terrible for them. But, yep. I mean, they should have a chip on their shoulder because, I mean, in this humble man's opinion, they are the best team in the NFC. I think, I don't know if I picked them in, like, our preseason thing or if we even did one. Completely forgot. But I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. I think them and the Seahawks are a touch above everyone else i really think uh, i think the 49ers are going to take a step back this year i mean it's hard to repeat what they did last year i think green bay is frauds even though they played very good the other day aaron Rodgers, man i well hey he's speaking of guys with chips he probably has the biggest chip on his shoulder this whole season and yes. i i've said on here before and i will still say it again i hate aaron Rodgers, but i do kind of also love a guy going out there, his team basically told him like, yeah, you're done in a year or two. And he basically is just going to be like, no, fuck you. I'm going to make this Jordan love pick. He's like, I'm going to be nice to love. It's not his fault that he got picked by us. So he didn't choose to get picked by us, but he's like, I'm going to basically, I bet his mentality is I'm going to make this guy look like the worst draft pick in NFL history because he's going to still have stuff. He's going to still has stuff in the tank. Clearly. I mean, he had a monster game on Sunday. Yeah, um, but to go back on to Brady, I mean, sorry, I rambled. No, you're good. Um, but there are obviously narratives already being made with the Pats and the Bucks. Uh, week one, I mean, you got to hold the phone here. I mean, to throw out a quick stat, um, Brady's last three times losing on opening day, week one, he went to the Super Bowl all three times, lost one. So I mean. If you're here writing off Tom Brady week one just because he lost to the New Orleans Saints, I mean let's let's hold the phones here a little bit. Let's give it let's give it a few more weeks before we before we say anything about the guy who ultimately always shuts us up at the end of the day, um, counting him out, saying he's done. It, it just really hasn't ever ever worked for anyone who's ever said that. So I mean, I'm gonna stick to the how history has been written with this guy and say that they're the bucks are fine. They're fine. Well, and also, so anyone saying anything in week one, when they played the saints, first off, everyone in their right mind, I knew that the saints were going to win that game. I mean, me and you probably could have said bucks, but I think in our heart of hearts, we knew that the saints were going to win. I mean, like I just said, the saints are, probably the best team in the nfc uh there are definitely a bunch of other teams that can make that argument but they are at least a top three team in the nfc and a top five team in the nfl so to say to brady like oh he didn't do good one week one after a whole off season of no preseason games and a new locker room and a team and a new system that you are getting used to now after being in the same one for 20 years and then you have to go out and play the new orleans saints in week one on the road Obviously, there's no fans there. We still have to travel to New Orleans. I I think it I think it really I think pump the brakes. Basically, I'm agreeing with you. Pump the brakes. We'll get a better feel of this Bucks team in the next couple of weeks. 
as it's not until week six where they play a team that was in the playoffs last year. So they got Carolina, Denver, Chargers, Bears. We'll see how they do over those next four. And then maybe there'll be a, a huge game on week six. It's They're playing the Packers. So, I mean, pump the brakes a little bit. They just played the Saints. Like, they're the, they're the Saints. Like, take it easy. Yeah, I mean, uh, any any real fan, I would like to think that would really think that the Bucks are just are out now. I mean, it's almost like I feel like for most people, it's like Super Bowl or bust for this team. And I feel like if these guys go out there, go to the conference championship and play a good team like the Saints again, maybe the Niners, Seahawks, and lose. I mean, you can't really say that's a failure of a season. I mean, yeah, they're loaded. But, like, this is their first year altogether. So, I mean, I'd like to think that they don't need us to go to the Super Bowl or lose the Super Bowl in order for this season to be a failure. Because that's kind of what this whole narrative is being written, just because of all these big names that they have. Do you know the last time the Bucks made the playoffs? The last time they won the Super Bowl, right? No, no, they – so – they obviously won the Super Bowl in 2002 with Gruden. Uh, the Bucks haven't made the playoffs since 2007. Jesus. So, a lot of people saying, God, oh, it's Super Bowl bust for this team. Uh, just judging them as a franchise, uh, making the playoffs would be tremendous for them, considering the last time they made the playoffs, I was nine years old. Yeah. Um, the city of Boston only had five titles. So just take that into account when you're we're talking about this this Bucks team. Like, yeah, they have this loaded offense, but this is a franchise that is not accustomed to winning. And so, and you're also I think you're an idiot if you think this is Brady's last year. Brady's gonna come back for another one. So I think the Bucks just making the playoffs, winning a game or two, I can say that is success of the season for them. Another big game. Um We'll hit on like one or two more games in the NFL. We'll hit on the big ones. We already hit on the Packers a little bit, beating the Vikings. Uh, another big one was the Cardinals making a statement win over the 49ers in the oh, NFC yeah. West. Uh, a game that, I mean, I definitely didn't see coming. I thought the 49ers would not not beat the bag out of the Cardinals, but handle them. I mean, the, these, the 49ers do have a great defense, um, but Jimmy Garoppolo really came out, did nothing. Did nothing. Pretty ass game from him. And the Cardinals, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's a star. Come, He's becoming a star right before our eyes here. And then you add a top three receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. He goes for 14-151. No touchdowns, but I mean, a field day for DeAndre. This is a very, very, very slept-on Cardinals team. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think this Cardinals team... Uh, is definitely going to be slept on a little bit. Uh, just recency bias with them, as they haven't been good in several years. But, man, Kyler Murray is built different. He mm. rushed for 91, ran one in, threw for 230, threw one, and then one pick. I mean, it's a pretty good game. Pretty good game. <laughs> pretty good game from the little guy from the uh, Oakland Athletics outfielder. But, uh uh, back to what you said with Jimmy G. I thought Jimmy G actually played all right. Um, he obviously didn't have his best game of his career, but 
259, two TDs, no interceptions, only three sacks on the day. Usually that'll be enough to, to win you a game. Um, obviously it wasn't. The Cardinals played phenomenal. Uh, that defense is kind of legit that they got there. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the Cardinals can make some noise this year. And I think with the 17 playoff especially, uh, I think they definitely can get into the playoffs. I don't think that they're winning the division. I don't think that they're going to be one of the top teams, but I could definitely see them at nine and seven sneaking in. Yeah. Um, Washington football team oh <laughs> against the God. Eagles. These... Yeah, that's pretty. That's worth noting there. Oh my! What was it? Twenty, twenty, all twenty-seven unanswered points. The correct? Eagles suck. The <laughs> Eagles are genuinely suck that they lost a, the football game to that team. Obviously, it's it's Washington. They they have they've had a lot more to worry about this offseason than playing football. Um, but Dwayne Haskins didn't have a great game. They really, there was just the Eagles just lost the game. The Eagles just gave them the game, and it was kind of hysterical. The, I mean, that's just sad. And I think it really, I have no clue who's going to win the division if the Eagles look like that again. Like they couldn't run the ball, they barely could throw the ball. Uh, I mean, it's just, it was sad. They played like shit in the second half. <laughs> Uh, the last game, obviously, I wanted to talk about was last night's uh, Sunday Night Football. The Rams beating the Cowboys in a run fest of a game. Kind of kind of a boring game. Lots of lots of running. I mean, pretty pretty apparent with Zeke there. But the Rams came out and used um, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers. They ran the ball like 35-plus 30, times here. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, it was a bit of a run fest. Um, not to discourage any either of the two quarterbacks, that both Zach, uh, Dak, and Goff had uh, very good games. Uh, both in the high two hundreds. Dak with a TD, Goff with none. Um, you know, it was a very boring game. But uh, I'm gonna say I said it before, and I'm gonna continue to say it. Uh, the Cowboys suck. Uh, people, people don't like to. <laughs> To hear it, people don't like when I say it to them. Uh, this team isn't good. They they have all this talent. Jesus. They have all Hot all this. They have all this talent that like is talked about every every single day. They're like, oh, they got to resign Dak. They got Zeke. They got Amari Cooper. They just signed C.D. Lamb. Like, oh my God, this team is nasty. They still have an offensive line. Ask me this. They've had this core. For what? Obviously, Amari came in like, two years ago, but they've had this core for a while, and they have sucked. They have not been good. They have not been good in a while. They have been, I would argue, irrelevant for a while. I think that they, I, I genuinely just stand by what I said before. They are, like, obviously, they're like good. They're gonna get like five hundred. Like, yeah, okay, good for you guys. The winner of their division last year finished nine and seven. Congrats. But I mean, if this Cowboys team that we talk about all day, every day, that they have all these weapons, they have all this offense to that generates so much. They're so good. How come they can't win? How come they can't beat the Eagles, who I just shit on? How come they can't beat Washington, who I also just shit on? 
And how come they can't beat the Giants, who are also bad? Like, how come they can't? How come they can't win this easy division that has been easy for the last couple of years since that Super Bowl year that the Eagles had? How come they couldn't? How come they can't get it done? How come they can't win the big games? How come they can't do that? I mean, this Rams team is not spectacular. I like this Rams team; they're good. Sean McVay is a tremendous head coach. The, the Rams are going to be fine. I like Jared Goff at quarterback. He's obviously not the best, but he's not worth the money he gets paid. But I think the Cowboys' main problem is it just shows what happens when you pay running backs. Like, you just they're paying Ezekiel Elliott the same money the Patriots are paying seven running backs. Like, I mean, $10 yeah. million dollars of their salary cap is going to a position that most – people deem as like interchangeable obviously Zeke is a talent but just you can't you're not going to win if you pay that much money to running backs and to wide receivers and I think the Cowboys just stink I do not like them I picked them last night I took them money line right before the game started and they they screwed me so I'm done betting on the Cowboys they they stink the Eagles are probably going to win the division again and they just lost to Washington <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, I've been saying it. Like, you, this team is paying their their wide receiver and their running back before they pay their quarterback. And I don't, th- I don't know if Jerry Jones like doesn't really understand like the whole like quarterback market. But like, if he's willing to pay Zeke as a top paid running back in the league and pay Amari as a top paid receiver in the league, like. Just because quarterbacks make more, like you can't just not pay the quarterback here. Like, I think Dak should have been the first one in line in that whole scenario. He should have been paid two years ago before he's gotten all these franchise tags. They're going to continue to franchise tag him, which is totally, totally unfair to him. Um, he's, I, I love Dak. I think he's a, I think that, I think Dak Prescott can win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys without the Cowboys. He is a very, 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 very efficient. He's a winner. I mean, but like you gotta pay this guy first before you pay Zeke, before you pay Amari. And like I just said, it's unfair to him because he is pretty much risking him on himself every single year. I mean, who's to say he doesn't tear his ACL, whatever, and then his value is just shot down through the roof because he's on a one year deal. He has no security in his in his contract, living on these one-year deals, no matter how much he's being paid. I mean, you talk about it time and time again. These guys want their financial security. And for Jerry Jones to go pay Zeke and Amari before you pay your quarterback, uh, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Disaster waiting to happen. My whole thing with Dak, too, is it's the same thing I bring up with Cam Newton, where Cam Newton went on Odell's podcast and – basically said he's like yeah this free agency he's like i knew i was leaving carolina it was fine it was an end of a chapter he's like i still love carolina he's like i'll always be a panther but he said the thing that bugged him was he just saw other free agents that he knows he's better than just getting signed like that guy he's like Mm -hmm. uh bears trade for nick Foles. he's like i was just sitting there they couldn't just kept assets and signed me like all these teams are bringing in guys and just no one wanted to give Cam Newton a shot. I think it's the same thing with Dak Prescott where he sees these other quarterbacks getting these extensions. The quarterback he played against last night, Jared Goff, who 
I think everyone knows Dak Prescott's better than Jared Goff. He saw Carson yeah, Wentz exactly. get an extension. Obviously, Carson Wentz had an MVP year, but Carson Wentz is the most injury-prone player in the NFL right now. Dak's better than Carson Wentz. Dak was better than all, like a lot of these guys that got these huge extensions. Jimmy Garoppolo got a huge extension, and he only played in like four games. And the Niners put like gave him the house. And the Cowboys are nitpicking dollars on a guy who they've had on a steal of a contract. He makes fourth-round pick money. Uh, he's made fourth-round pick money for the last four seasons. And when it's finally time for him to get paid, like he should, because he – there's really nothing else he can do other than win a Super Bowl for them to entitle winning. But if they're paying all these other guys all this money, then why would he want to stay there? He saw Zeke, who has had serious off-the-field issues and sat out for a couple weeks. He just got the bag. Amari gets the bag. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel bad for the guy. And, I mean, yeah. fuck, uh, who is it, Skip Bayless, who... <laughs> that was... Yeah, that... Uh... Fuck Skip Bayless. That was just so <laughs> stupid of a comment. Like, it's making fun of the guy for, like, really going into, like, a dark place this offseason. And, I mean, I hope Dak's all good. But, like, you can't make fun of it. Like, things are bigger than football. The guy lost his brother. Like, I mean, fuck Skip Bayless. Yeah, no. I mean, it's I mean, it's obvious. He gives, especially, like, he's a Cowboys fan, bro. Like, you'd think he'd have some sort of like sympathy for the guy and he's talking about like can't show emotions like dude if let's see you go through something like that and then you can't express your emotions on tv i mean it's the same exact situation there like with him and it's stupid it's it was a dumb dumb headline uh i'm sure skip fucking feels like an idiot now <laughs> he's seen all the backlash with it but skip. skip all right but um pretty much all like the relevant games wanted to hit on so you have some picks uh, before we wrap it yeah, up yeah just real quick uh you know our our weekly pick em is under the way underway now uh going into monday night i'm eight and six right now i don't know where you're at but uh i'm at eight and six right now so guaranteed 500 and i'd say for my weekly picks there i am killing it but uh last saturday i i uh, didn't tweet it out wanted to be humble but uh, uh, your boy went five for five on college football. Uh, just swept, you did? swept the table. Yeah, it was a clean sweep of the table. Got, got. Parlay? Nope, just five individual bets. Got out of the hole. Oof. It was, hey, I'm fine with it. So uh, I'm riding college football. Uh, we might do one earlier in the, later in the week. Well, I'll give more college football, but the lines I like right now, uh, take Duke minus four and a half. They're playing BC. Um, Duke really played really good this weekend and BC is essentially irrelevant. So I think Duke's going to win by more than four and a half. Uh, Appalachian state has been playing phenomenal since last season and carrying into this season. Uh, they're playing Marshall at uh, minus three and a half. So that's a, another tight one there. Uh, but Appalachian state, I would definitely take them. Um, Saturday, Alabama is playing Missouri. Um, I believe this is Alabama's first game, but uh, Alabama's only minus 23 and a half. And I say only very uh, lightly because 23 and a half is a lot, but I mean, it's Alabama. They're going to mm-hmm. beat any team that 
isn't ranked by a ton. So especially if it's their first game of the season, take Alabama minus 23 and a half. And then Moneyline. I believe this weekend, uh, Hawthorne is playing the Gold Coast in Australian Rules uh, football. Um, Have you ever watched Australian Rules football? Nope. (laughs) It's fucking banana. It's a weird-ass sport. But... (laughs) Take Gold Coast minus uh, 120, uh, 146 in the money line. Take them all the way. They're going to beat a Hawthorne. Big rivalry week for them, I think. I don't really know. But, yeah, Australian rules football is bananas. It is an insane <laughs> sport. All right, for my picks, um, first off, some college football. I like kind of a big spread here, but hang on, hang on while I explain why. I like UNC minus 27.5 against Charlotte. Um, this is big for me. UNC being ranked is big for me. Uh, I've always been like a UNC basketball fan. And I like kind of like that, their football team, but they always sucked. So, I mean, couldn't really like, like them like them. But they are ranked now. They have a hell of a QB, a guy that could be in the Heisman race this year in Sam Howell. They're playing Charlotte, poop team. Uh, last week against Syracuse, North Carolina had a 23 and a half spread i believe and they backdoor covered they had 21 unanswered points in the fourth covered that spread uh i like north carolina against a severe severely less great of a team in charlotte than what they just played in syracuse um next week for the nfl i also like real quick i know i'm just throwing this out there right now i like tennessee tonight titans against the broncos but whatever uh next week for the nfl uh, Thursday night, I love, love the Bengals' money line here. I mean, they are eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, and I want their money line. Joe Burrow had a very, very efficient game. He threw a pretty stupid pick in crunch time to Melvin Ingram on the Chargers. But other than that, Joe Burrow had a very, very good game. They were this close from beating the Chargers. And the Browns, I don't know, man, I just – I just don't buy it. I don't buy their their whole thing going on there. I like the Bengals in that one. Um, next off, I like I if I'm reading this right, I don't know if I am or not, but um, the Minnesota Vikings are three and a half point underdogs to the Indianapolis Colts. I I mean it says it right here. I don't think it's correct though, but if it is by off chance, I mean take the Vikings here. <laughs> I mean. The Vikings, yeah, they they just got slapped around by Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, they did score a bunch of points. They scored 34 points. So the offense is clicking there. Colts, I just, bleh, just any Phillip Rivers-led team, man, I just can't get around it. So I like the Vikings there. Those are my picks. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, as I am a – also a college hockey fan for BC. Uh, Coach Jerry York uh, is now getting inducted into the 2020 U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. So Damn, just shout out to Coach York. Uh, Took him that long? Uh, he's in the actual Hall of Fame, but okay. he just is now getting in the U.S. one. So okay. uh, five-time national champion, uh, ton of bean pot wins, uh, one of the greatest college coaches of all time. Um yeah, just shout out to Coach York. And uh, one last thing, uh, my Tottenham Hotspurs suck, and it is going to be another brutally long 
Premier League season for me getting up early on Saturday and Sunday to watch just a irrelevant soccer team. I'm going to bandwagon Liverpool this year, I decided. Yeah, that's smart. I do, I do them. I do them or City, either one. Really, I like Liverpool. Really anyone other than the Spurs. It, it's, <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. But go Spurs. We're going to make Champions League this year. I don't know. Probably not. Um, sitting at around over an hour. So, I mean, that'll pretty much wrap us up here for this episode. Um, definitely, definitely going to be talking. What? What do you think? Before next Sunday? Before the Seahawks or after? Um, yeah, I say we do one before. We'll give a little preview. All right. Sounds try good. To, so, try to get on a consistent schedule. Yeah. Um, so, look out for that probably next weekend at some point. Anything else? Uh, no, nah, just go Seas game Tuesday and uh, go Tottenham. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, go Celtics, go Pats, uh, roll Liverpool. Uh, that'll wrap us up here. This has been episode number 29. We will see you later. Peace, Peace out.